Welcome to the Myelin and Melanin podcast with Dawn and Dana. We're just two women sharing our musings on life, MS, and everything in between. You can find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at myelinmelanin, and you can also subscribe to us on YouTube. And this is episode 45. 45. Hello, everyone. Uh, 45. Yes, 45, right? Yeah, we just are still like, you know, on a high from Sonia's episode and, you know, talking with Carlos. It's just, they're amazing people. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Super excited for today's episode, a conversation with Ardra Shepard again. So happy that she is taking the time to join us again. Absolutely. Yeah, and um, I'm really thankful that Carlos was able to step in while I went to my doctor's appointment. Yes. You know, yes. all is well in that world for the moment. At least it's just yeah. quiet. <laughs> right. Isn't that funny how we have to, like, add that caveat, like, for the moment? It Yes. yes. Yeah. I had an MRI last week, and luckily the results were good no new lesions no activity or anything so like you said don just quiet for now that so. that makes me so yeah. happy and have a sigh of relief because you know earlier this year with your you know hospital stays and, yeah mm-hmm. you know the um, yeah they did find other lesions which led you to to take ocrevus you know that right. yeah i yeah. i always like hold my breath or like clinch onto something like, oh my God, just praying that everything is okay because you just, you don't know, you know what I mean? Like the whole anxiety of, of getting an MRI don't, don't really know what, I I mean, you hope that, well, I don't know. I hate using hope, but you think that, okay, everything's going to be fine, but you just, you just never never know. know. Yeah, exactly. So I guess for both of us right now, we can breathe a sigh of relief because it's all good for now. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm happy, really, really happy to talk to, um, excuse me, to speak with Ardra. Um, She is another amazing, incredible voice in our MS community, and uh, I know we're going to have a ball. Yes. Well, today we have... Ardra Shepard, Miss Tripping on Air, joining us uh, in episode 45. Ardra, we are really, really elated to have you on. Um, just so excited. The last episode, everybody loved you. Yes. Of course, they loved you before, but even more so, like, I don't know, just with with our, um, well, I shouldn't say more so, but our followers just loved that episode. They really did. They loved that one a lot. You guys are amazing. I can't believe you're at 45 episodes. I know. That's like... You guys are a machine. I'm impressed. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's good. Good for you. Yeah. So, oh gosh. Okay. Sorry, oh no, Dana. I can edit that. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the other day. We got like three MS brains here. Right, exactly. Because MS, like, right? <laughs> yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? So, I know. where are we? <laughs> the other day, I came across this quote-unquote workbook is what they call it. Um, it was put out by the MS Society, I think a couple weeks ago, weeks ago, years ago, called Coping with Change. And it's really interesting. 
And I just wanted to read a quote really quickly that is just loaded and a lot. So the quote says, change, quote, change can be challenging and stressful. And MS has the potential to cause a variety of changes, both major and minor for those who live with it. Some of those changes, such as impaired vision, poor balance, or severe fatigue, are a direct result of the disease itself. Others, such as the need to change the kind of work we do or the kind of house we live in, may result indirectly from the disease. Still, other changes are those we choose to make in order to manage the illness more effectively, such as using a cane, motorized scooter, etc., etc., end quote. That quote was a lot. And I think really sums up like one of the kind of core foundations for coping and that's change. It's not so much the disease itself, which in and of itself is a huge thing, but it's the constant necessity to change. So I don't know, that just kind of hit me when I read that. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I feel like I was very young when I was diagnosed, and one of my good girlfriends from elementary school, she had already been diagnosed for a few years, so she was diagnosed maybe in her late teens, and I saw her having to make changes in reaction mm. to MS, and it was very stressful and and awful, and I remember thinking in my relapsing, remitting, invisible illness way that I was never going to get as sick as I actually did get. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also was very proactive. Like I made decisions all along the way so that I wouldn't have to react to my situation and be disabled by it in a way that was unnecessary. So for Mm -hmm. example, um, I chose, it was always really important to me to live in a city, to live in a condo. I mean, maybe Mm -hmm. I'm just like a city girl anyway, but like I knew I didn't want to have to be like shoveling snow and cutting grass and like wasting my energy on that kind of thing. But I also didn't want to have to move because I was forced to be able to, or not able to do that. And, and when I was diagnosed, in fact, I lived in a walk-up apartment. So I had like a handful of steps to get up. Mm. And that was extremely difficult. Um, And then, of course, I recovered from that. But the next place I moved, I was like, forget it, no stairs. I'm not going to be forced out of my home. Um, And Mm -hmm. I felt abundantly cautious um, at the time. But now I'm so glad that I kind of, like, I I don't have to be forced out of the home that I love. Or You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's it's hard not to be reactionary when things happen. Yeah, I, yeah. That's a, like it's not a, it's extreme to act like that. That's not even reasonable for most people who don't want to live in, you know, a city or a condo or any of those things. But I feel like for me the transition has been easier in that um, I lost my driver's license right away, so I never I was always used to taking public transit and mm-hmm. to bumming rides from friends and. Like I it used to drive me crazy when my grandmother who was in her eighties and you did like rip the license out of her hands, like how, what a struggle that was yeah. for her. And I was like, gee, I just figured this out. Like you should be able to <laughs> like, right. Without really, <laughs> without really appreciating that that had been her way of life forever. It was like a major change for her. 
Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I lived in a city also when I was first diagnosed. Um, It was easy to get around uh, because you could just get on the metro and do, you know, do your thing. Yeah. It got difficult for me when um, the weather changed because the heat intolerance, um, like walking to the grocery store, you know, I used to have a little cart in the city, you know, people have carts or whatever. You you walk yeah. to the grocery store, you put all your stuff in the cart. But it was really challenging. So that forced me to move further out, like into the mm. suburban area, I guess. Um, because then you have the snow to contend with, right? Like I know. And that was the part that I didn't like. I'm like, okay, well, which one am I going to do here? I, because... Yeah. Do I battle with, you know, like going to the grocery store or do I battle with the snow? And because either way is difficult, you know? Yeah. Or now we have fancy things like grocery delivery and stuff. Sure didn't have that when we were first diagnosed, but. No, not at all. Yeah. And I'd rather live in a condo, like you said, uh, Archer. You know what? It's like having neighbors that can give me a hand when I need it also. And, um. Yeah, never. I mean, I am fortunate that I have a husband who is very helpful and and caring and likes to do stuff. But it's also, um, you know, it's it's nice to be in a position where you don't have to ask for as much help because you have built in things that make you feel um, less disabled than you otherwise might by your environment and not just your body. Right. 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 Exactly. Because a lot of these condos slash apartments or what, you know, just different buildings now where people are living, they have grocery stores right down the stairs. Mm, yeah. They have, um, you know, workout rooms, if that's what you choose to do, you know, um, or workspace, you know, if that's what yeah. you, if you work from home, like, you know, like we do, and you could just yeah. go right downstairs, you know. Um, or even your favorite restaurant might be right next door. So everything is right there. And like you said, you won't feel less, uh, you'll feel less disabled and putting that in air mm-hmm. quotes, you know what I mean? Because you're able to kind of get around and do your own thing right. without asking for, for so much. Right. Yeah. I Which is fine. Like, there are like different personalities too, though, who embrace change and who really resist it, you know? So And like what we're talking about is change and adaptability and how MS just forces you into that corner all the time. And so for me, it's like I just like to stay ahead of it so that I feel like I have some control instead of MS telling me like where to go and where to live and how to do it. Mm -hmm. Because that's huge. We, Dana, both of us talk about that, like losing the feeling of being in control. I don't like not being in control. And I I love that you said that. Yeah. And I think you Um, almost have to stay once, try to stay one step ahead of MS in order to maintain that because being completely reactionary just takes it all away. You have no choice. It takes away your best choices. Yes. You know, it's like, it takes away your best options where you might've had four or five options, but if you wait, until you fall down the stairs and break mm-hmm. something and like you're forced into a move then and like it's maybe not the area you you want to live in or you haven't saved or like it's yeah. these I, I think of like my um my mother-in-law who didn't want to leave her house of course 
um, and sell it. And she waited and waited. And, you know, she had um, a whole bunch of options of where she might move and how her, um, like, retirement years might look. But, you know, then she broke her pelvis. She broke her hip. She had a long hospital stay. Now she's in long-term care. Like, those, like, her fear of change ended up eliminating so many choices for her to where there was really only one option in the end. Right. It hinders you instead of helping you. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Well, what other, so, okay. So since we're talking about coping and, and how we are, you know, dealing with the change of having MS, what other ways besides planning ahead would you say um, works for you? Because I almost feel like we are playing a game of chess with MS. Yes. Like yeah. that, that's what it sounds like. Definitely. That's really what it sounds like. Like what other things do you do to cope? Honestly, Don, I feel like um, a big realization that I've had in the last couple of years is that you don't get MS once and like grieve and adjust. You get it over and over again. Mm -hmm. It's as you get as the disease morphs and shape shifts and fucks up your life in different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like a constant evolution of how you're going to react and adapt. And sometimes I'm good at it and sometimes I'm not. So I think like over the long haul, hopefully I'm like netting a positive uh, ability to cope and adapt, but I don't know. We're not at the end yet. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like just allowing myself that uh, to acknowledge of like, you know, that, that feeling of like, oh, I should have dealt with this by now. I should be over this by now. And just saying like, no, this is a new, this is an exciting new development. And uh, like you need a whole new way to hack it. Right. I love that you use the word exciting. Like not like <laughs> dreadful or yeah, this is a, it's a new adventure. Yeah, I don't know where that. <laughs> well, <from>. right, <laughs> it's totally bullshit. I yeah. think right, and I think laughing like that that definitely helps. Uh, I, it might sound so cliche and silly, but I mean, getting a good laugh every now and then doesn't hurt, you know. Yeah. So I think you have to be able to laugh at yourself it's or the so situation. Extraordinary right? Like what we're dealing with. It's just like when you step back and like, it's like, no, this isn't real. Like, how can this be real? It's, it's right. so, so weird. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I know reading like, for example, your blog that has helped me some days where I'm just like today, I can be completely transparent or, you know, honest with everyone. I'm having an MS day may not be having a physical MS day, but I'm having a terrible emotional MS day. Like it has taken, it, it's taken everything for me to not break down and cry right now. Um, and, uh, and so, oh, go so ahead. At, the, at the risk of like bringing out the tears, Dawn, um, <laughs> okay. like, yeah, I'm just going to like, I'm going to Oprah this shit for you. Um, what does okay. that mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> <a bad> MS <laughs> day? <laughs> like, does it mean like you're in your head? Are you thinking of like worst case scenarios or is it fear? Like what's going on? <laughs> okay, Oprah. Um, yeah, I love it. Um, <laughs> no, what I feel is um, why that's, that's what's 
like coming up. I had a PTSD trigger yeah. um, earlier and it just like, it literally shook my body where I was like, oh my God, I could smell, feel uh, everything that, that moment when I was first seeing this neurologist and he was like, oh, you're on a spectrum. You may have a benign case. I don't know. We're, we're just going to look at you, just going to monitor you. Like he never definitively said, yes, you have MS. So I was like super confused. I had just finished the evoked potential test. So that triggered me. But right now in this, like, so that kind of carried over to this moment where I started thinking about why, like, why am I here? Why am I going through, or why have I gone through the past few months, which have been wonderful, you know, like a lot of self-growth and self-care and that's fine. But you know, I, I don't want to feel this way. Like I just woke up and my knee was feeling really numb and just my leg was stiff. And, um, even though it's not super physical, like I, I started moving around and it was fine, but the why kept coming up, like why, you know, I had to sell my house. So yeah. that's kind of like where I still am. I think it's like, we're kind of maybe raised, I don't know if it's like a North American thing where we, we, we sort of have this idea that we are entitled to something fair, like a mm. life that's fair. Yeah. And then we feel this frustration of like, it's not fair, but like, and it's so hard for us to accept that it, life is not fair, mm. you know? And it, um, I think, um, that can be, I know like maybe this is a segue into talking about how social media impacts us mm. is, comparing ourselves to other people and thinking maybe that it sometimes seems like other people got more of a fair deal than we did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like, even within the, the context of MS, it's not evenly distributed, you know, right. like it's some people have it easier than others. And uh, for some reason we're so frustrated by this concept that we all feel entitled to a fair deal and like, that's just not how it is. Like, I don't know why it's shitty. There's no answer. It's not life is not fair. Yes, totally. And that completely and totally brings up um, something that I wanted to talk about. So the other day I came across this meme and I think I've seen it before, but for whatever reason, it just kind of had me feeling some kind of way when I looked at it. And so the meme says, social media is the reason a lot of people with disabilities don't feel alone or isolated. Okay, true. I mean, I can totally get with that and agree with that, but I think that social media a lot of times is the reason why people, I'll just specify it, people with MS end up feeling alone or isolated because you're seeing all of this stuff that perhaps doesn't match what you have access to. Does that make sense? It 100% makes sense. But I would also argue that, like, get in line, MS. This is the yeah. problem with social media in general. Yes. And, like, so we are living in this time of, access to all these stories that we never otherwise would have heard, these connections that we would not have had. But it is incumbent upon us to consume that content in a way that's healthy for us, for where we're at, at that, at this moment in time. So, um, I mean, it's the same thing that I would 
kind of caution my teenage niece about. You're seeing somebody's highlight reel or somebody's curated view. And um, if it's not an account that makes you feel good, don't follow it. Mm -hmm. I completely yeah. agree. I completely agree. Um, but the sociologist in me, I teach, some of you may know, but I teach soci college sociology online. And the sociologist in me sees this as, have you guys ever heard of the concept of anime? A-N-O-M-I-E. Okay. So yes. this, right. So this idea that all of these possibilities of connection and all this information makes us feel lonelier. So we would assume that because we have access to other people, we have access to outlets and, um, different ways of thinking, different news and different information, we should feel connected and good, but it makes you feel, it can make you feel like complete shit. I totally, I don't know. I just, yeah, I'm going all over the place, but. No, but yeah. so I would wonder, Dana, how you reconcile that with um, the fact that you are a thought leader in this space. And so, um, you know, you have considerable influence on like the ideas and perspective that you put out through your podcast, right? All, like has an impact on on people. Yeah, that you know, that's a really good point. And I think that one thing and I kind of post about this on our Instagram, sometimes I think it's really important for people who do have a platform to talk to people, to influence people, to be honest. And I think you do a phenomenal job of this with your blog, Ardra. Yes. Thank you for that. But MS is not a pretty disease. And a lot of times, and we can just talk about this in social media in general, you are not going to generally post a picture in which you look like shit. You want to put your best <laughs> foot forward. You want to look your best. But the reality is in this MS life, a lot of times, like, I would say the best is reality more often than not. And so I think that it's important for people who do have a platform to be honest. Yeah. So I, yeah, I feel like I definitely want to speak to this because I feel like for all of us who have a platform, which is essentially anyone, if you have one follower, mm -hmm. you have a platform. Right. So yeah. I think like it is not up to me to say what is anyone else's authentic real life journey. Mm -hmm. It is up right. to, like I'm free to consume or reject what they are putting out. Um, but so I think it's just like, if you have um, social media, it's curated to how you wanna present yourself to the world and that is your right. There are so many connections and people and accounts out there um that where you can hopefully feel good you have to you have to look after yourself no I, I completely agree I you know as we're talking I'm thinking about and I completely agree with you that it is one's prerogative to share what they want to share what they don't want to share if you don't want to share the ugly stuff you're not you don't have a responsibility to do that However, I think back to, and this was back during season one. Well, I did inpatient rehab um, twice in my life, and both of them have been 
since I've been doing the podcast. And in season one, my first inpatient rehab experience, Don, I know you remember this. There was a situation in which, so in, you know, the particular hospital rehab that I was in, they uh, required, I guess, I don't know if they use that word, but it was kind of implied that patients wear a depends. Okay, yeah. fine. I didn't need it, but okay, I think that probably makes things easier for the nurses and all of that should something happen. But okay, mm-hmm. whatever. So wearing it depends. <laughs> and one morning or one day, the uh, one of the CNAs came in my room and she says, oh, do you need your diaper changed? I know you remember this, Dawn. Yes. Um, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. And I was totally taken off guard that this was happening to me, that she was talking to me this way. It became a thing. And I sort of felt, and of course, like that's in and of itself, having to wear depends, dealing with kind of this kind of stuff is not a pretty thing. But I felt, and did I want to talk about it with the world and whoever I'm not suggesting that the world listens to this podcast, but to, you know, for public consumption, no, not really. But I sort of feel like I have to tell this story because somebody else might find themselves in this situation and feel a little bit less alone. Yeah. And that is awesome. And that is what makes people listen to this podcast. And that is why you have the audience that you do because it is difficult because uh, we do have stigma because the ignorance and the ableist nature of the nurse and the institution that she's set up in like all of these things but to expect that everyone with ms has the courage to be public about this no Mm -hmm. fucking way like and, and if that were the case we wouldn't need this podcast you know what i mean That's true. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Like this is like, it is the brave few that will talk about the ugly side of this. And then the silent people who get strength from that, from seeing themselves represented, but um, not necessarily. And then, and, but then all the more appreciative of those of us who do talk about it. Yeah, you're right. Totally. And thank you for that. I just want to like caveat onto this of like um, what we see, like there, there is, I think there's a definite um, divide between personal accounts, whether they Mm -hmm. be celebrity or private people, but individual accounts Mm -hmm. versus what we see represented in the stories we tell around MS as they are portrayed uh, by MS societies, by pharmaceutical mm-hmm. companies, like that shit we can call out. Like those are people yeah. who don't have MS. Like if we're being sold something that doesn't look like the disease we recognize, then yes, we can call that out. And it's also, it's like these um, institutions that um, are maybe bringing out the bad feelings too in terms of like, access to treatment and access to resources and you know Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. it's not fair um but we can use our our feedback to maybe affect change in a more like in a broader sense 
in a more mm-hmm. productive way. Does that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, completely. Completely. Well, um, you know, MS is not one size fits all, as we've said before. And coping is definitely not like going to look the same the way every, yeah. everybody copes differently, like how we all three of us have a different way of looking at it. Um, because social media, it doesn't disturb me as like, so it doesn't make me feel as isolated. I mean, some posts do, but overall, mm-hmm. I don't feel isolated. Um, I know in year one, when I was diagnosed, there wasn't social media. So yeah, maybe it could have helped me. I don't know. But what I did feel was like, the chat rooms that I would go in, like this is ancient to some people, I'm sure. Chat like, room. <laughs> yeah. Those AOL chat rooms, like you would, I would be in there talking and then, you know, maybe, you know, like 30 minutes I'd be done. And I'm like, okay, now what? Like there was nobody else to talk to when I would wake up with insomnia or, yeah. you know, just like a weird sensation. Like, who am I going to talk to? You know, but right. I know so- with social media, I can feel that connection. Like I can go across the pond and talk to somebody who's up at five in the morning or, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm up at two, it's like whatever time in Europe or whatever, you know, Um, just being able to connect with people. That's like really important. I think for, for a lot that a lot of us that are on social media. Um, Of course. What do you guys think? Yeah. yeah. When I was diagnosed, I went to a support group meeting, like a in person in real life, because again, like there was no social media, and I'm <laughs> dating myself as a dinosaur. But um, <laughs> I was like very, very young, and there was one other girl there who, and I say girl because we were like 21, and um, it was her first time there as well, and it was this like dark, poorly lit room with like stale cookies and terrible coffee and like the host thought that that we were there for like a school project she wasn't gonna let us in and like that we were doing research or something we're like no we just we were diagnosed and and I hated it I hated everyone in the room except for this girl who I like connected with um (laughs) felt like instantly like soul sisters but like everyone else in that room I hated them with everything in me. I saw them as like the worst of what could happen to me. I thought they weren't educated in their disease. They didn't know about any of the medications. They were, it was just like a big pity party. They were all um, disabled. Like I just like, Oh, there's so much going on that was about me that like now I'm older and wiser. I like see and recognize. And like now um, I obviously feel so differently. Like I go to this, um, MS massage clinic and everyone in there is in like a scooter or uses a rollator and I'm like I feel like so comfortable like these are my people um, but right. I also feel this like compassion to those 20 year olds you know like right. I feel like I just am so much but I remember feeling that divide of like not wanting to go to the MS walk because I didn't want to see those sad people like and now yeah, I'm yeah. one of those sad people and I'm like I get it. But so I connected with this girl and then we formed because so many people have MS and like everyone knows somebody with, with it. Um, Mm -hmm. There was this like group of five of us in our early twenties and we would get together once a month for dinner and like a lot of wine and just talk about um, first of all, how few resources there were for our group. 
for our mm-hmm. age group, but also mm-hmm. the challenges that we faced, like dating and career and like, are you going to have a family? Like all these things that we felt so, so overlooked by and underserved in. And we just like created our own tribe that way. And I think um, that happened because we were like very proactive. Um, mm-hmm. And now that happens so much more in um, through social media. But there's also yes, this like, right. there is this lack of human connection. It's easier to be, you don't have to be as invested in right. mm-hmm. the people that you quote unquote care about. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and so the return is maybe not as great either. That's true. That's true. Very true. I can so relate to your story. I, I was telling Dana this uh, earlier and yesterday, really. Um, going to those meetings made me have kind of this haughty attitude. And I'm embarrassed and ashamed <laughs> to say I felt like that's not me. Like, yeah. who is this? And did you feel like I'm never going to let that happen to me? <laughs> yes. Like, yes. And I met how we're raised, right? Yes. Right. We all have this ableist asshole inside of us because that's the culture Mm -hmm. that we live in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I was on a flight to Denver. I was going to, we went, did some family trip or whatever. And I was on the plane and this woman was sitting in the, the window seat next to me. And, um, I just so happened to like, ask her and I was that was year one of my diagnosis and I was telling Dana this too I'm here I am getting on the plane like all dolled up I've got my scarf I've got my tall boots with heels you know all like super fancy or whatever trendy and I'm sitting there and there was nobody in the middle of us and so I lean over and I said oh my gosh she's got some assisted devices I need to like find out because this looks familiar to me. Like I know, I knew she had mm-hmm. MS. I don't know. I just, everything about it just like reminded me. So, um, because I had seen that like in different, um, doctor's appointments and stuff. But anyway, um, I look, I leaned over and I was like, do you mind, um, me asking, what did you, what do you use? I don't know what, what wording I use. Cause it's probably going to sound horrible the way I said it, but I basically just said, what, what did she use one of the assisted assistive devices for or whatever? She was like, Oh, I have MS. And she just was like blurting everything out. And she was a middle-aged woman and she was like super talkative and, really nice but i i crossed my legs i remember crossing my legs looking at my heels and i was like oh i'll i'll never be that way right like how could i have that attitude is that not the worst thing like was that my way yeah i don't know it's human nature right it's like you know that when you gamble the house always wins but everyone thinks they're going to be the lucky one it's the same thing right like it's um and it's this like egocentric feeling. I think it's like self protective of. Know, it's very humbling then when it does happen. Yeah, well, and, yeah. yeah. I mean, a I lot of personal growth even, there. A lot, and it was like denial. That was my coping mechanism. Yeah, like being able to say to hide behind that haughty attitude. Like, yeah, I don't know. That that's horror. I I hate thinking about that. Oh my Don't, gosh! Because you know what? I think this is where, um, like this level of self awareness. Because I uh, can completely relate to this story too, Don. I think this level of self awareness is what allows us to be 
compassionate and not lose our shit when people say that ignorant stuff to us now. Yes. Like, yes. you know, you, like there's this like, well, you don't understand. Like, lucky you, you don't understand because you don't have to. But um, yeah, it's, we're a little bit wiser than some, right. you might say. Right. So how, how do you think, and this is for the both of you, I guess I'll turn the Oprah Winfrey hat on here. How did you guys cope like year, let's say year five? How long have you been diagnosed, Ardra? How many years? Like, like a million years. Uh, a long okay. <laughs> Well, it's, it's been a decade. Um, yeah. yeah, over I a decade or a like, decade. Sugar and wine and like, I don't know, like, yeah, I don't know. Dana, why don't you answer? Because I feel like I've answered a lot already. <sighs> I, well, as Don and I always laugh and joke about, and it's not funny, but of course you got to laugh at yourself. Yeah. I was in denial for a long time because I was very asymptomatic very early on in my disease. My presenting sy- symptom was optic neuritis you know, kind of an invisible symptom. Um, and I really didn't have any issues up until about maybe five years ago. So I was totally in denial. And I think that I hid behind that denial to cope, if that makes any sense. It, so it just does. And I think yeah. denial is a strategy, you know? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it is until yeah. it isn't, right? Like, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, my my course was aggressive, so I was never like yeah. I lost my shit from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I remember I up until I couldn't, I kind of purpose like I lived in an upper apartment, kind of because I could. You know what I mean? I knew in my mind this probably isn't a good thing. And just to make matters worse, and it makes me feel like a complete jerk, you know, most of the listeners know my mother has MS as well. And um, her mobility is a lot better than mine is now, but stairs have always been kind of, you know, not a good thing for her with balance and everything. But at that point in time, when I was still in denial, when my MS was still behaving, stairs were fine with me. And even though I knew it probably wasn't a good thing for me to live in an upper, I did because I could. Mm-hmm. And that's like a really shitty, weird thing. That's deep. Why is that yeah. shitty? Why is I, that shitty? Because I, it's I like, feel, yeah. I see it differently. Yeah, why? I'm yeah. just like, honestly, I'm like, do everything you can while you can take every single like do like push yourself is yeah I don't you know like do it while you can because you don't don't take it for granted don't feel bad about that man yeah you know I think it's just me like now being in the reality I am like it was such a Ardra hearing your stories you you know the fact that you were very proactive in your, um, I don't even know what I want to call it, acceptance of the disease. Like you made decisions for the future, even though maybe you didn't need to make them in the moment. Does that make sense? Am I accurately? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So, so that being said, did I have any business like deciding that I want to live in this upper apartment? No, th- that was stupid. No, listen, no, like <sighs> what I did was not smarter necessarily. No. And I don't think it made me, doesn't make me a better MS patient. Right, yeah. And this is like a situation where comparing our experiences, yeah. like, it was just like, I'm the kind of patient who consumes everything. I want to learn all about the drugs. I want to be as aggressive as I can. Like I right. want to do set myself up for success. Like right. still mm-hmm. MS that's still part of your personality. Shit, right. Like mm-hmm. like we're we end up in the same place. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's still like like this so for me, it's like maybe this borderline unhealthy obsession with trying to control when like for like the thing I'm psychoanalyzing myself now or like the thing I feel like <laughs> like I feel is my biggest learning curve is to embrace and um, like feel approach um, dependence in a healthy uh-huh. place instead of like a resentful, angry place of like just like we have this idea that independence, I do, that independence is like the ultimate virtue somehow right and yeah. that dependence is somehow like a flaw or a fault and that for me I need to rethink that because and like embrace that and be comfortable um yeah with the caregivers and the caretakers in the world who um you know like for it's easy for me to like lash out at those people instead of like finding that place in me to to be more embracing of that and to just realize that we all have different needs and it doesn't make yeah. me I'm not failing at life because I need more help than somebody else does. Yeah. That's very true and it's hard to wrap your head around those things. Like I get it you know? intellectually, but I'm still yeah. like, I still rail against it. I'm still probably going to be an asshole for somebody trying to help me too much, you know? Somebody that cares it, about me. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. even like and this is just the jerk in me. Like I hate the word caregiver, caretaker, like it would be very hard for me to say my, you know, I've, you know, my caregiver is coming in 10 minutes to help me. Like, Oh, I I don't need a caregiver. You know what I'm saying? Like I wouldn't want to say that word. Like I'd rather say my friend is I would rather say my staff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not not kidding. Yeah. It's almost like, oh, you you cringe when somebody says, oh, the nanny's coming or my nanny is coming, you know, not, well, not cringe in a bad way, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like somebody's helping. Yeah. yeah, Like for me, like saying, like, if I would say my caregiver is coming in 10 minutes, I've got to go. That's to me, and this sounds so horrible, the equivalent of that CNA saying, can I change your diaper? I totally, you know what I'm I don't saying? think that's gross. I would choke on those words too. Yeah. And so yeah. And like right. that's, that's like so that's a case of where like your self care is about reframing that person into your employee yeah. that you've like you know given a job to. Yeah. That person is your staff, and you right. don't have to be an right. asshole to them, but you don't have to call them caregiver. You just don't. Yeah. 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 A lot of all of this is really about reframing the narrative. I and guess. you know what? T- 
to go full circle on the social media thing, it is about shaping your own narrative and like controlling your version of the story and what you tell yourself about Mm. what it means to have MS and what that looks like is so powerful. And so if you want to tell yourself the empowered version, which is the, 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 the version I choose to tell myself, like, and I can be vulnerable in that, but I Mm -hmm. still got to feel like a goddess and a queen. Like, yeah. I'm not going to, I don't want to feel diminished as much as all the outside um, forces in the world want this disease to diminish me as much as I feel like my own body wants me to feel diminished by this. Like I feel like we need, and that's why we need social media too, so that we can look to other people to say like, she's badass. I want to be like that. And that is why I right. feel like um, so for me, like getting dressed up and being photographed with a mobility aid is something I'm really passionate about. And I wasn't always like, if you scroll down to the bottom of my Insta, you're going to see photos of me like in silhouette or from behind when I would not mm-hmm. allow myself to be photographed. And now I'm like that me, I felt less than that's why I didn't want to be seen. Yeah. And I don't want other people to feel like that. Right, right, right. And going back to what you were saying, going to the, you know, the support group meeting and, you know, when, when I went as well, I felt like MS silenced me and I didn't have a voice at all. I was just saying this. Um, so that's kind of why I hid under that veil of denial. You know, that you got was a, just you got my a voice way. Now. You got a voice yeah, now. now. Yeah. Yeah. I I did. I felt silenced. I felt weakened. Um, So the haughtiness and being, um, you know, less compassionate was like a great safety net for me. If that makes any kind of sense, you know, like I didn't want to dive into the MS world. Like I, I just didn't want to believe that this was happening to me. I still wanted to hold on to those heels. Well, and for me, like there is no way like you wouldn't, it would be hard to believe now that I've been writing this blog for four years that five years ago, I didn't want my name and MS uttered in the same sentence mm. ever. Yeah, really? I, didn't, yeah. I didn't tell people it was a secret. It wasn't until um, my walking started to become obvious that I had to out myself yes. because people were whispering. I was missing out on opportunities. Like the story was changing and and people were pitying me and it was like, no, like I had to be able to say, this is how it is. I had to claim that. Mm-hmm. And it's been an evolution because I didn't know what that meant in the beginning. Um, and I didn't know how helpful that could be to other people. So, mm-hmm. but I knew that it, that I knew that what I was looking for, I wasn't finding it. So, um, but I'm finding it more now. Mm-hmm. as like we we do we need to see ourselves it's so important I didn't understand how important representation was until I stopped seeing myself represented and that comes from yes. my place of privilege um and now like feeling part of a minority community and being like holy shit this mm-hmm. is like really a thing yeah oh yeah um like should I should I play this little clip from Brene Brown? Yeah. Do you guys want to hear about the connection piece? Because I it go, it goes back again to what we were saying, and not to like beat a dead horse about social media, but 
I, I find that people are able to connect and kind of pull themselves out of those, you know, maybe dark moments um, of like, if you are diagnosed year one, you don't know where to turn. Or if you run into like, if you go into like a, a support group meeting and it, it's not for you, you have this ability to connect with others. So mm. uh, Dana posted this, this um, clip of Brene Brown. Are you familiar with Brene Brown? Ardra? Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. She's, she's incredible. Um, mm. I'm going to just like play that for her, for, for everybody. And like, cause I just love what she says. So you all, you all tell me if you can hear it. Okay. We know is that connection, the ability to feel connected is neurobiologically, that's how we're wired. It's why we're here. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to start with connection. So that's it. Is it's really quick. <laughs> yeah, I. it's true. I think I, also yeah. like, so as people with disabilities, we look to find that connection and that shared experience with others. I think we also should caution ourselves against um, like sometimes what can happen in our real lives is that we disconnect from the people in our lives that don't get it, that can't possibly understand or who want to help us, but we don't want their help. There's yes. like a danger in that too. And I think there's like, for me anyway, like a humility and a vulnerability in accepting help and, 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 caring even from a person that is never going to get it but but still wants to like be on this journey with me yeah yeah absolutely I don't know what I don't know how I cope these days besides the podcast yeah um, that is my mechanism the best way I can say well and I've written about this too is that like um, like one of the three fundamental things that you need to be happy is um, a purpose. And that is so, so powerful. I've experienced yeah. that too. And MS makes us shift our purpose and reassess and maybe our purpose can't be what it once was. So, right. um, but the, yeah, the podcast helps people, you know, it, it, like when it makes sense of your suffering when you um, when you know you're helping somebody else, right? Totally. What's interesting, you know, when I and I totally agree with you, Don. This podcast really is, I would say, it's the way I cope. Not even so much. Of course, it's very gratifying to know that maybe something that I say or something that I've experienced, somebody might be able to relate to and it might help them. But just the ability to be transparent, it's very empowering. Because, you know, before we, and Dawn, you know this, we joke about this all the time. It took me, what was it, Dawn, like a year to even agree to do the podcast. Yeah. Because I just didn't want, like MS was not a part of my identity. Like I wasn't out with the fact that I had MS. But, you know, it started, you know, my mobility started becoming weird and I had to come out. But I didn't want to be Dana with MS. But now, and it's sort of crazy how that works because this podcast is an MS podcast. Now that is an identity that I've had to, I guess, assume. But 
yeah, like you, Don, I think that's my main coping mechanism these days. I think and also, sorry. Uh-huh. No, go just ahead. Gonna, um, just that idea of, because um, I was closeted also mm-hmm. um, until I couldn't be. And the thing is, is that having this secret is not a way of not having MS be part of your identity. Mm-hmm. MS is part of your identity in this like fucked up, unhealthy yeah. way. And, yes. Um, and so of course it's liberating and freeing. I learned after the fact to like own it and mm-hmm. define it on my own terms to, as much as I can instead of having this thing that I like by virtue of it being this deep, dark secret that I was telling myself was something that Mm -hmm. should, I should be ashamed of and keep hidden instead of saying like, this is just like another way to be human in the world. And you know, how can I expect other people to not be weird with me if I'm being weird with myself? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. I mean, one thing I can say, when I said that I felt MS weakened me, it also strengthened me at the same time, which is such an oxymoron and, and weird to say, but being able to be vulnerable, you know, with you, Dana, with you, Ardra, with, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much the world, not that the world listens to us, but you know, like we, you can listen to a podcast from wherever, but being able to like say, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. Like today I, I was open and told you guys I'm on the verge of tears and before I'm not, I'm a crier, but not like publicly, I'm not going to like boo hoo, but before I would be ashamed of that. Now I'm not ashamed of those feelings and feeling that I I own it and I'm holding my own space, you know, um, in this moment. So I'm kind of like happy that I'm able to be, you know, vulnerable. So yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, MS. I don't know where I want that from. <laughs> right, the only thing. I Thank you, MS. Yeah. Whoever wants to say that. Because I didn't <laughs> learn it from a therapist. But did you guys, have you ever gone to see a therapist and like helped like to try to help you navigate through this crazy disease? I mean, I Me, saw a no. social worker in the beginning, but um, I mean, I definitely believe in therapy and I should get it. I just feel like it's like one more appointment that I don't want to go to. You know what I mean? Like, and then yes. I feel like oh, I've got like, I'm pretty good at being self-analytical and talking to my girlfriends. And I don't know. It's, it's kind of like on the list somewhere. I should definitely look into it at some point. But yeah. I completely agree with you, um, Ardra. That's my, I think therapy is a wonderful thing. Um but it's like, I feel like I don't have time for it. And I, and, and that's not to say that it's not important because it yeah. is, it's critical, but it's like, yeah, like you said, it's one more appointment. Like it's also just this, like one more being a professional fucking MS patient. And, yes. and sometimes <laughs> denial, like this, my mother will attest to this, that like denial is like a tool in her kit for sure of just like sometimes denial Helps you, you know, like I do remember I would leave sometimes a social worker like feeling way suckier than when I got in of just like, I didn't want to cry today. And now I have. And anyway, I don't, this is a tangent of, I don't want to bash therapy. Everyone should get therapy. Therapy is great. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, I can, 
I can say it was a, a success for me. Good. I don't go now, but I mean, I had other things going on also, like I was getting a divorce. So I kind of needed to talk, you know, mm -hmm. have an outlet yeah. because there were, you know, mm -hmm. a number of things happening besides just MS. So, um, you know, it helped. It, it definitely helped, but I would, I would say it helps when you have somebody who is like very well versed in MS, um, mm -hmm. and not just like a therapist that, you know, treats, you know, kids or something, you know, like yeah. somebody who understands the adult chronic autoimmune illness, um, course. Um, uh, but yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Because the way that MS manifests affects everything, everything like yep. MS is kind of like the core and everything happens around MS. And I think that's hard for some people to understand, but yeah, I mean, I hate giving MS that power, but it kind of is like it's the lens through which we process everything or the lens yes. through which we experience everything. Yes. Yes. That's shit. Yeah. But it's, and I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm grateful that we have this platform because we all have platforms, you know, uh, it, it helps tremendously. Um, I don't know. I might get off this line and start boohooing, but at least I know I have two people that understand. I, you know, yeah, I, I, I I don't know how long it takes to get out of this little funk that you we go into. Well, I think that's maybe the other thing about social media, which like my blog and this podcast are a part of, mm. is that um, out, aside from even the connection, it's just this opportunity to tell your story. And yes. I think just even in articulating it in whatever forum or whatever way helps us better understand it ourselves. And there's, mm -hmm. I don't, this is like, I don't understand the psychology of it, but there is something powerful and healing in that of just telling your own story. This is what I experienced. Right. right. And there's, there's no magic wand. You know, oh, no. you're you have what do I have? You have MS. This is your diagnosis. You know, yeah. and then here's the magic wand, and you're going to figure it all out. Um, no, it does not work that way. Yeah. So and I just want to say I'm sorry you're having an MS day, Don. You're not going to live there forever. So just yes. you know, the like tears release stress hormones, and you just got to mm -hmm. like let yourself do it, and then tomorrow will be better. And if not tomorrow, then, you know, maybe the but next, not, for, yes. not forever, you know, not forever. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate and that. I'll just say because MS, Don, you already know, because MS, yeah. <laughs> that's just such yeah. an asshole. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting like teary. This is awful. Oh my gosh. It's well, not maybe it's awful. not awful. <laughs> yeah. It's just so hard. Yeah, it's hard. You guys yeah. understand. It's just yes. really hard. It is. It's, yeah. And don't feel bad, Dawn. I know you do, but don't. <laughs> no, because I have to be, I have to be on. You know what I mean? Like, that is the other part of it. Like, we have to cope in our own way. But mm -hmm. then, like, we have other responsibilities. Like, I'm a mom. So, I can't, like, be in this MSE day. Because I like if he sees me upset, he's going to be like, what's wrong? And that might scare yeah. him. And there's nothing like, like I said, physically wrong, but 
I just need to get it out. I just need to cry. Mm -hmm. I need to like, I need to go and and have lunch with somebody. Mm -hmm. How old is your son, Don? He's eight. I mean, they, I think there's a lot of research that supports, um, kids of parents with chronic illness, that they are more compassionate, Mm -hmm. you know, crying isn't a weakness. It's not, you're having a bad day. It's not, doesn't make you like, um, a sad, sucky person. You're just like feeling something the way it's feeling. Right. Right. And you're having a bad day and that's showing him it's when you're having a, it's okay to cry. It's right. a I'm terrible day. I'm letting it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, all you can it's like a teachable moment. Like it's, it's yeah. okay. Cause this yeah, is what, it's okay what to like experience bad feelings. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I think if we don't grieve, then we can't get on with it. If we try to yes. deny that it mm-hmm. sucks, like that's when it festers and makes us crazy. Right. Yes. And we know what stress does to the MS body, which we don't exactly. want. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This is such an enlightening and full conversation. <laughs> thank yes. you. All. I think we went around the globe here, but thank you for having me, you guys. Like it was really, yes. um, I feel good. Um, yes. I, yeah. I feel proud of this community. I think, um, that, um, it's, like a really exciting time um, in our like humanness that we can yes. like there was no other time when like people would have just felt completely alone and unrecognized in this yes. experience. So yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I we're, think about Don and I were talking about this earlier, but you know, back a million years ago when we were diagnosed there were three MS medications, yeah, no like social media and all that stuff. Like it really is amazing to think about where we are now. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. 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 As, as a community, it's, it is amazing. And the drugs that are out or the disease modifying therapies, I should say that are out there are very promising and helping a tremendous amount of people, I think. So I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having thank me. You. It was a pleasure. Um, this, yes. This was long. So if you're still listening, thanks for hanging in. <laughs> <laughs> I found there's I like a lot of estrogen in the room right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you for tuning in to the Myelin and Melanin podcast. You can find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com. Also at Myelin and Melanin on Twitter, Facebook, and you can find us on YouTube as well. Um, Actually, oh, at Myelin Melanin. No, Andy. at Myelin. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> because I'm at. Thank you. Right. Because I'm at. <laughs> oh, and Ardra, before I end, um, do you want to say where people can find you and followers can find you? I'm at Tripping on Air. So just type that into your search engine and you'll find me somewhere, Tripping on Air. Thank you. Thank you.